Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod, episode 1478.7. Hello. Yep. It feels like a million, doesn't it? How dare you? How very dare you, Berth? Don't start a pod like that. Which I was spreading joy and... Joy and happiness to, to, to the world. I, we, I suppose we can forgive you slightly because you got an injury and you're hobbling around on crutches. Well, I got rid of the crutches yesterday, so that was good. Yeah, I just I picked up an injury on my calf. Uh, nothing too serious. Just won't be around for a couple of weeks. But, but yeah, it's all good. Got a good plan in place. And, you know, it's all about what you make of it. Getting back on the road to recovery. But I... I I suspect, uh, and I say this gingerly, knowing that I'm in Hampshire and you're uh, in Kent, um, it takes a little bit longer to come back from these things, doesn't it, at your age? Uh-huh. You know, you just love a cheap gig. <laughs> you see an opportunity, take it. <laughs> if, if there is a chink. A few more cod liver oils, a bit of collagen, and yeah, I'll be good to go. Sorry to hear that, Berth, uh, but you would have looked on with great joy of your team winning a real tight one at the weekend against Wasp. We will look at uh, the two games from the Alice Premier 15s, and I must say a huge, huge apology to DMP, Durham Sharks, and to uh, Sale Sharks. Yeah, for some reason, we completely forgot about their fixture last weekend on the pod, so... Um, one of those things, yeah, huge apologies, not normally like us, but we'll have a look at those, we'll have a look at the, uh, the fixtures this weekend, there was Madrid 7s we'll have a look at, the European Championship, moving towards that European qualifier for the World Cup, but first, our journey around the world in this World Cup year continues, we're going to hear all about rugby in Australia, but not only that, rugby in Fiji as well. Alana Thomas, who is the uh, the coach of the Melbourne Rebels in Australia, but she's also the assistant coach of Fiji. She's taken that role uh, that World Rugby have set up, getting women into that elite environment in the international scene uh, leading into the World Cup. Here is Alana Thomas. It gives us great pleasure this morning on the WRP to welcome Alana Thomas who uh, um, is involved in the Melbourne Rebels uh, and is also just taking position with Fiji uh, with the World Rugby Initiative, uh, getting women into the international environment leading up to the World Cup. A very well, a big good evening to you, Alana. How's things? Everything, everything tickety-boo? Yeah, everything's going well down here in, in Australia. Um, just about to get back into some rugby. It's a very condensed calendar, so uh, but looking forward to it. Twenty twenty one is going to be a fantastic year for women's rugby, not just in Australia but globally. Oh, absolutely. I must just ask, just ask here at the moment. Everybody's safe and well with the weird and wonderful situation the world finds itself in. You guys are not too bad down there, are you? No, we've been pretty good. We just had a snap five day lockdown about a week or so ago, so we've just come out of that. Um, but yeah, we're all. All good, and it looks like uh, come Friday we'll have some more restrictions. So hopefully I'll be able to get back into the office after 12 months working from home. Wow. Yeah, but funny old time. Funny old time, isn't it? Speaking of funny, um, we, we promised last week that Berth would conduct this entire interview <laughs> in an accent. So um, here we go. Uh, Hi, morning, Berth. Uh, uh, I think my, my, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, no, <laughs> Don't pull that old one, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? 
That's not bad after last week's effort, I think. I think that's pretty no, good. I, I took the feedback. I've adapted. <laughs> it wasn't great, was it? Let's be honest. wasn't 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 great. <laughs> uh, tell tell us about your 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 club role for for now. Um, in Melbourne, Melbourne, can't say Melbourne, can you? No, don't say Melbourne. I, I used to work with a lady, and yeah, she literally would punch you if you called it Melbourne. So of course we did. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Melbourne. How, how's everything in Melbourne? Yeah, everything's really good here. Um, Super W, we're just about to, to get the ball rolling there. Uh, we usually would have played and be finished Super W um, normally. Uh, we usually played over the summer here. Um, but I'm obviously with the condensed calendar, Olympics being moved back, the Super W has been pushed back mid-year to lead in well for the Warriors into to World Cup. So we're just about to start um, looking and, and getting our squad together. Uh, we actually have had no rugby since last year's Super W. So our last game of women's rugby here in Melbourne was the Super W girls playing in Perth, getting our first win on the 8th of March 2020. And there's been no rugby played since then. So uh, we've sort of had a year off and got a bit of work to do to get the girls back in, get fit um, and get back on the training paddock. So a bit of work to be done. But yeah, hopefully come the end of March, we'll have our girls back on, on the park and starting to get building and preparations for for the 2021 season. It's great to hear that it's going to be back up and running. Can you just, for our viewers, just give us an insight to what the the league is about, how it formats, how many teams, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so the Super W is basically the men's Super Rugby here in Australia. We have um, the, the all the franchises. So we've got the, the Queensland Reds, New South Wales Waratahs, the ACT Brumbies and the... Um, Western Force as well as the, the Rebels so we've got five teams um, and we play um, a competition over five weeks playing each other um, and when we were playing earlier in the year we used to try, follow the men and try and have double headers with the men so it's our high performance elite program um, I'd probably say similar to, to the Alliance Premier 15s where the, the main clubs um, all have, have teams and, and it's, it's that championship that you're trying to win um, and we play each other once, home and away series, and then have finals, so playoffs. Uh, team that wins the comp goes straight through a final, two and three playoff um, for the right to go to the final. So um, pretty small comp over five, six weeks, um, but really intense. Something that we, in the past, we used to have 10 days where we'd play our nationals um, with all the states and army and things like that. So it's actually a full high performance program with the players embedded in the franchises so you get exposure to the coaches you get to be able to to work and train with the men's team or in and around where the men's teams are training so it's, it's a good environment to bring the men and the women together in terms of leading up to super w what what was the structure underneath the sort the, the 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 chimney the the, the pyramid that, that goes into that because i presume after super w the next step is obviously international rugby what, what's what's below that uh, for, for those that don't know? That's me. I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Um, we we've <laughs> just it just basically under Super W we've got all our club club rugby. So all our states will just have our normal club rugby teams or community rugby programs that the players come out of. So we've got the community rugby 15s and then we've got the Aon sevens and and our sevens competitions that sort of sit off in that seven sort of um, sort of hierarchy. But it pretty much goes club rugby into Super W into Wallaroos. Um, so it's it's a, it's a pretty narrow structure, but 
again, across the different states, Queensland, New South Wales are quite strong. They've got some good depth, got teams that have got two, two teams, two divisions in New South Wales and Queensland. ACT, Melbourne have just got the one division, same with WA. So pretty much a big step from club rugby into that high performance sort of Super W, but also a great experience to bring players through. We get squads of up to 30, 35. So you can, you can bring in some of your young girls and that's definitely been a strategy that for the last three years at the Rebels, we've been bringing a lot of our under 18 girls through into the Super W. And you know, in the, the last season was when we started to see them really perform after having a couple of years of experience. That exposure early on is so important, isn't it? Just for like, just being in that environment, they learn so much. And then when they get the opportunity or when they're old enough, then it's, it's almost a little bit of an accelerated process. They're quite familiar with a lot of stuff. They know the language, they know the environment. And then you can, and, and they're also, after being a part of it for a couple of years, they're really relaxed in that environment. And then you get the best out of people in that way, don't you? Oh, definitely. And the thing that I'm seeing def- from from the last sort of three or four years is those young girls coming through schools and pathways into those clubs is they're coming through with really good foundation skills. Um, whereas in the, you know, in the past, some of the girls hadn't had that sort of junior rugby. So they were coming in, you are spending a lot of time on those core skills. Whereas these young girls are coming through, they've got great core foundation. They've got good, good core skills and we're able to just say, accelerate them and just seeing them pick up things and just the enthusiasm that it just rubs off on the more experienced players, but it also keeps the more experienced players on their toes. And it also that. helps. <laughs> yeah. With the snappers around. I know that feeling. <laughs> just by the very nature of, of, of these, these chats on, on the pod, we're going to dot all over the place. I'm just so keen to hear about you and, and Australia and Australia. All the rest of it, so excuse us jumping out. I, I wanted to know, here in the UK and, and across Europe, there are literally thousands of, of young ladies and girls flooding into the sport. Uh, we, we know that, don't we? It is, is, and actually harnessing that and putting them in the, in the right kind of structures and programmes is, is, is a real sort of key battle that's, that's, that's going on at the moment. Um, is that the same in Australia? Are the same kind of numbers that, that we're seeing sort of around the rest of the world flooding into the game? Definitely after the 2016 Olympics, when the, when the, the Sevens girls won gold, um, a quarter of the growth in Australia was, was girls and women's rugby. It, it absolutely exploded. Um, so we've seen a big uptake and that's the biggest growth area in rugby in Australia and, and particularly in Victoria where I am um, is that youth and girls sort of rugby space um, because it's now, you know, down here in Australia, we've obviously got a lot of W leagues, which is um, we've got our AFLW, which is down here in Melbourne, our Australian football league. Uh, we've got our W league soccer. We've got our WNBL, our super netball, all the women's sports, particularly the footballs and crickets have just exploded in the last five years. So there's so much choice out there for girls. So the amount of girls that are trying rugby coming through the sevens pathways where it's touch seven into tackle sevens and into 15s, it's, you know, as I said, 25% of our growth down here. It's just fantastic. And to, to have on that final day of the 2006 Olympics, having four radio stations here in Melbourne ringing up, wanting to talk rugby, front page of the Herald Sun, it just showed... What, how important it is for us to have women's rugby visible um, and out there for the, for the consumer and, and the, the general punter to, to want to watch. Wow. It's, it's going places. So it's funny, it's funny, it's, 
its place in what is a you know incredibly competitive sporting market in Australia. Um, enough about the general. Let's let's get into the general. Hey, so on there, seamless that. Um, how do you two know each other? Well, we we met I think through Asia Rugby. I went at birth. That's probably the first time we've sort of laid eyes on each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we'd like definitely known of you and cross paths like LinkedIn. And we're, surprisingly, there's a lot of not surprisingly, there's a lot of women involved in rugby, whether it's coaching, administration. We all kind of know about each other or heard wing of each other. Um, but surprisingly, so what I was getting to, we actually haven't all really just connected one time like this before. So, yeah, I think we've both known of each other and of what each other's doing. But yeah, I think literally last week was the first time we caught eyes and I was late. <laughs> um, for good reason, for good reason. Um, I couldn't help it, but, um, but yeah, that's the first time. But yeah, big, big admirer of the work that you're doing and, and the exciting move with Fiji now. It's just, again, it's you as an individual going to that next level and working with an international side. I know that's difficult at the moment because you can't get over there. I mean, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, obviously taking on the assistant coach role with Fiji um, for the World Cup, obviously Fijiana's first 15 to World Cup, um, pretty exciting. And the opportunity to, to be able to coach at an international level is something that has been sort of, a, I suppose, a goal of mine um, to chase, being the player now going into, into coaching and giving back. But to be able to coach the Fijians and to see the amount of talent they've got, they've just got raw talent. It's, it's, it's a rugby-loving nation. They love their rugby. Um, and to be able to go over there, although I haven't been able to get over there yet, um, I just can't wait because they've just got such a, the support that they've got through their high performance unit. They've set up a, a women's high performance unit back in, I think, October last year. They had 30 players going in. You know, they're training morning and afternoon in that high performance environment. Uh, the girls are, are training in, we've got a fairly wide squad at the moment, are training um, probably twice a month in camp. So whether it's a three or five day camp, so it's a really exciting sort of time to be involved in rugby and albeit still in Australia, um, doing it remotely, having to have Zoom meetings and, and watching huddle footage and, and trying to sort of get a gauge of the players we've got um, is challenging, but it's really, as I said, it's a really exciting. So I can't wait to get over there and, and go with them on this journey because it's just a fantastic thing. You know, this, these players, first World Cup, they're going to be history makers, trailblazers for the future that for these young girls and boys coming through to be able to look up to and say, hey, they were the first players to go to a World Cup and represent Fiji in that 2021 World Cup. It's going to be a pretty amazing feeling for the players. Yeah, I mean, that, that sparked loads and loads of questions. I'll just ask you what about Fiji, if, if that's all right. Knowing what you know about Fiji and it's the national sport by a thousand miles, um, does that give you extra pressure? And did, it, did you make, did you dare, therefore think, oh, geez, oh, that's a hugely pressured job, actually? No, not, not really. I think it's, a, it's just a great opportunity um, because they're such a raw talent and it's just about being able to take the best of their skills and being able to apply it at a world stage. And, you know, we've got a pretty tough pool. We've got, you know, England, France, South Africa. But I think history shows that when it comes to World Cups, it's, it's how you play on the day, uh, that you play the tournament and how you prepare. And if we can prepare these players to be playing to the best of their ability, play to their strengths... And then, you know, 
look at the opposition and plan accordingly, anything can happen on the day. You've just got to be able to, to put your best performance out when it's needed. Just like everyone, I think everyone will be under, the, under a bit of pressure because we haven't played much rugby in the lead up to the World Cup. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how everyone sort of, sort of goes through the you know, pre-tournament games and also in the tournament. I think it's a, it's a very open opportunity for a lot of teams to, to, to come up and show their wares. And I think South Africa and Fiji particularly, are, they're sleeping giants in the women's game. Um, you know, you see the appointment of Lynn Campbell um, to go into South Africa and start to build there. You'll start to see that coming through at this World Cup, but also with Fiji putting in their high-performance unit for the women, I think you're going to start to see these nations start to really step up and, and start to make the bigger nations take notice. I couldn't agree with you more because I think there's, there's two things about this. Never underestimate, you know, a team that has absolutely nothing to lose. They can absolutely shock people at World Cups and if they are anything like the Sevens girls you know what they can produce as well. So really, really exciting time. But the other, the other thing that you mentioned about how this World Cup's going to play out, I think this year, more teams are on a fairer playing level field. Player. Level. <laughs> level playing field this year, just because of the situation that everybody's in. Not every team's had all the preparation they want to. You talk about, you know, Fiji getting together for twice a month that's the same as a lot of other teams whereas before you know potentially teams like England they would be getting together weekly you know being in big camps together so it does make it I'm not saying you know it's completely wide open but I think you know it does put everybody on a um, level playing field <laughs> a bit more of one Got now with Australian accent. Now oh. with accent. sorry now do it with the Australian accent. God, I'm trying to say accent. English, let alone in an accent. <laughs> it's still totally I'm trying to no, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Bertha. I, I, I think it does wait, wait to New Zealand. And, and I, would, I was thinking about asking you, Your Honour, whether you feel that you know it is slightly weighted to New Zealand because of that. But you're an assistant coach for Fiji. You've not even been in contact with them at the moment. Or are we just in that situation where... We are where we are. It's a global pandemic. You know, there are greater things at play here and actually getting the tournament away is what's what's important. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, even here in Australia, like, we're in the same country and we've had border closures. So the Warriors haven't been able to get together as much as they would like. So, you know, I think, you know, being at home, New Zealand, have always, they've always been that powerhouse in the women's game. Being at home, it's a, it's a special opportunity for them um, and you know they've just got together over the week last week doing their training camps and, and getting in and, and getting together so I think whilst they're at home and they'll be red hot favourites at home I just think that it's just a great opportunity as Berth said it's a, a pretty level playing field with the, the lead in um, to, to the tournament <laughs> All the right words just not necessarily in the right order Anna um, <laughs> what when you do get your, your hands on them, as it were, um, you obviously won't be allowed to because you won't have contact, but when you do get over there, over to, to Fiji, to, to the island, what's going to be number one on your list? From, from what you've seen, the contact you've had already, obviously discussions with the other management. I think that the key thing for me is to get to know the players, um, get to know them as, as people. Uh, that's, that's a big part of my coaching is get to know the players, get to know what makes them tick, and to then be able to be able to bring the best out of them on the field. Uh, that's the most important thing. Understand them, see what their skills, um, their strengths are, 
what they want to work on and then and then go from there and take the lead from sort of obviously in the video and talking to the to the um, other coaches but obviously a major focus for me is the defense side of things um, but again I can add value there with kicking and and stuff like that being a former goal kicker and kicker and things like that like any way I can help and the time that I have I'll be investing it in as much as I can with those players Oh, it's a great opportunity, isn't it? Uh, when you're at Wallaroo, and we'll only just just touch on it just just briefly, if you may. Um, did you think that this this would be your path? Because because I think some players think, well, you know, I I, I could be a coach. I'll give it a go. Or was it a, very much a, a direct goal? Do you know, when I when I finish playing, I, I've I've got the communication skills because that's you know, the pretty much top of the list, isn't it? To to be a coach, was it always something in your head? No, no, it wasn't actually. Um, I just, yeah, I hadn't really thought about coaching. Um, it wasn't until sort of I ended my career, I got a couple of really bad concussions and basically that was forced upon me. Um, and I sort of thought, well, I want to stay involved because it's given me so many great opportunities. And being in Melbourne, I was like, how can I give back? And a natural fit for me felt like coaching, but it was never a goal. Um, and it wasn't until I sort of finished playing, started just helping out as a senior player, um, in the, the Melbourne club team that I was at, you were sort of like an on-field coach helping those young ones as we sort of talked about coming through and, and giving them experience, guiding them around. And then when it eventually, you know, I couldn't play anymore, I went, well, coaching's where I'll, I'll, it's a natural fit for me. So I went into it that way. And then it wasn't until a coaching program with Rugby Australia came up for women to encourage more women to get into coaching that I actually went to a Wallaroos camp to do some development work as a coach and I got back in that environment and I went, oh, that little flame that was there and that fire in my belly as a player just came back and I said, I want to be here as a coach now. I just want to be back in this high performance environment working at the highest level. So um, it just ignited from there in 2015 and, and I've just sort of taken every opportunity that's been afforded to me um, and tried to to make the most of it and also connect with some really good people um, in the coaching sphere and, and in programs to, to help me along my way. Brilliant. Well, what, what, a, what, a, what a great story. Um, can, I, can I ask one more question? Have you got, have you got time? Of course. I've got, I've got as long as you want. Oh, fine. Oh, we'll all tell him that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> where, where were you born? No, Johnny. Right, one more question. <laughs> And your first school was uh, no, uh, no. In, in all seriousness, um, my, my final question was: look, looking at, at women's rugby in Australia, and of course you're in there, and, and, and obviously your your answer might be a little bit more guarded because you're you're within that system. But three three things that, that Australian rugby has to do to continue the, the the rapid growth of women's rugby in the country. Oh. As I said, how long have you got? Big final question. It is. Big final question. Let's finish with a crescendo. Um, I think for, for me, you have to have the, the high performance. You have to have that Wallaroos and the Aussie Sevens there that players can be aspirational. They have to want to be able to have something to chase. So it comes back to the, if you can see it, you can be it. It has to be visible um, on TV, free to air and accessible to the general public, to the community. So I think that's that's the first piece is having that those those national teams. Then you have to build your pathway from there, and it's not just a playing pathway; it's a coaching administration, all pathway, all encompassing for for women's not just players but also administrators, referees, 
And I think that that starts from your community. We have to have it as we have to have comps for girls where we, whether they're seven non-contact into 15s, we have to have it at a community level, having a girls competition where we can develop them from a young age, start them young. I look at AFLW here. They've got clubs down here that have got two, three under 15s girls teams. Like that's amazing. You've got 20 players, you know, 60 odd players playing for one club in girls. So you have to have that community level and then you have to build your pathways and you have to have your your sort of high performance, high your school girls, your academies where you've got players going into that, so that you've got the numbers coming through to then go into your, your high performance up that tree. Um, so I think it's the three levels: the the national team having a really strong community with good foundations, with good coaches and referees coming through together. So it's a it's a it's a journey for everyone into your high high performance or academies, um, school girls. So they're constantly in the system rather than we play, we lose them. They come when they're 18 and they're starting from scratch. So I think it's having the whole pathway and being clear with it and not following what the men do. We might have to be different to how we do it to the men because I think that's the key, I think, is sometimes we just take the men and just go, we're going to copy and paste. doesn't work always like that, particularly with our women. Um, you know, you've got mothers, you've got, you know, they've got kids, they've got, you know, they're working, they've got cooking, you know, not cooking dinners, but they're, they're the homemaker at times. So you've got to be able to be adjustable and flexible. Um, and until we can get them to that high level and it's consistently, whether it's professional and they're getting um, remunerated and it becomes a full-time role, then you've got to be flexible with it because you can't expect them to commit to six-hour days of training if they're not getting rewarded. They've got to earn a living, they've got to study, they've got to do whatever it is. So I think it's having those three levels and having it clearly defined and working for the women and having allowing for growth and flexibility. Great answer. Wasn't it? It was very good. But I've got one more. And this I've got one more. Too. No, you're not allowed anymore. Um, one. <laughs> my one is, and it should be, it could be a, a short answer, I would have thought. Give us two players from Fiji to watch out for at the World Cup. Oh, it has to be the, the, the one for me is um, our captain, Serena. Um, she is a workhorse. Um, she, number eight, um, being the captain for the last couple of years, I watched her playing sevens in the Super 7 series on, at, in Nandi on the weekend, and she's running 60, 70 metres um, to score tries. I think that she's probably the key player for me at the moment that I think is going to have a major impact for us at the World Cup. Um, just a leader, quite achiever, but just so across that line. Whew, I'm glad she's on our team and I, I'm not trying to tackle her. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good luck, good luck, Sumter. Um, who's going to win Super W and who's going to win the World Cup? Ah, Super W, I would like to say that Melbourne Rebels are definitely building. Um, we've got a pretty good squad and a pretty keen group of players. Um, and it's always good to knock off New South Wales and Queensland, um, that rivalry. Um, and then World Cup, geez. It, it's going to be close. I, 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 you can't go past New Zealand, home soil, um, major, you know, their first mate, the first time it's been the, the World Cup being in the Southern Hemisphere. You know, it's, you know, Eden Park, Auckland, many teams have gone and tried to win there. So I, I think they're going to be very hard to beat at home. Awesome. Alana, it's uh, it, 
you, you speak so so clearly so so well um utterly engaging i i mean uh birth takes the, the mickey that i can speak to to people like you all day long and, and, and why not when you're when you're quite so engaging but perhaps we'll we'll revisit around the world cup and what have you but thank you so much this morning for giving us a, an incredibly in-depth look at uh, australian rugby and also pga rugby it's been a real pleasure no thank you very much and as i said i'd love to talk for hours so always happy for a chat johnny if you're awake in the middle of the night and want to chat <laughs> absolutely i can only apologize about Perth's lack of australian accent I can only you're apologize. setting yourself up there alana <laughs> calling at all hours just want to chat to you about um scrums i would as well he would yeah, I would. I would. Block and delete quickly, Alana. <laughs> no, but genuinely, sure, thank you so much for coming on. It was really, really good to to hear from the other side of the world what's going on, um, and to continue to see you know more females in high performance coaching roles, um, and to share those stories as well. Good, no, good luck with it all, and we may well see you down in New Zealand. No worries. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Take care. What an utterly engaging character, Berth. Obviously, heard her name, um, but what a fantastic communicator and really, really clear, really, really clear with her knowledge, clear with her understanding of the game. I'm I, really in, incredibly impressed. Yeah, I think we're delighted to have her on and have her yeah. speak about, you know, what not only what's going on in Australia, but also, you know, the opportunity that she's got with Fiji and. You know, you can tell that she's a good coach through how she communicates, how she sees the game. And a couple of those points, you know, she said about what's important to her on her coaching journey, which is getting to know their players and understanding them, just caring for your players as an individual and what their needs are. And we're definitely seeing more and more of that within coaching roles and and that, you know, yeah, really cool to, to hear from her. And, you know, we wish her really well at the World Cup, but also with Melbourne Rebels doing really good things down there and um, yeah, pretty exciting to see how the Super W goes. Yeah, absolutely. Real, real treat to, to have her on and uh, hopefully uh, yeah, the listeners enjoyed hearing a little bit about uh, Australian and Fijian rugby, which uh, we, we don't often do, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a golden year for women's rugby and the WRP will continue to circumnavigate the globe with rugby stories. I'm Shani Williams, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Let's bring you up to date with uh, all the rest of the international news. There was some sevens birth. You know you love a bit of sevens. Your household loves a bit of sevens. <laughs> but it was lovely, uh, lovely to uh, to see some sevens out in the park. Yeah, Madrid sevens kicked off the, at the weekend. Um, I don't know if you got to watch any of it. But it was it was so good just to have a bit of sevens back on, um, and like top teams involved: France, Russia, USA, Spain, Kenya, and Poland. Oh, yeah! Hey, great to see them out there playing the motherland. The motherland, and they had some surprising results over the weekend as well. Did they? What? Yeah, they beat Spain. Considering Spain beat. Um, Russia, who wow. then went on to win it. So yeah, just pretty exciting weekend to see see teams finally get out there, running around, getting the opportunity to play. Um, it's obviously backed up again this weekend, so they'll be back out and have opportunity to play at the weekend again. 
Brilliant. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. It's, it's just another step, isn't it, to to returning to, to some rugby. So, yeah, Russia won uh, the Madrid Sevens last weekend. Uh, and Spain took one step closer to the European World Cup qualifiers by comfortably beating a spirited Russian side. This is 15, so we're talking about now. Uh, 56-7, second row Anna Puig came away with a hat-trick. That victory put Spain in the, uh, in the driving seat, seat Top of the table of the European Championship 2020, this is. We're, we're, still, we're still playing that uh, championship out by a single point clear of Russia. Now, all they need is two match points in their game against Netherlands on Saturday. On to domestic news uh, Alliance Premier 15s. We will apologise again. We, for some reason, missed the DMP sale game last weekend. Uh, huge apologies for that. Certainly not intentional. Sale one at the weekend uh, up at Durham University, 47-0. And, and your guys uh, came through a really, really close one. 20 points to 19. Lange Tuima with a late penalty. Jared Mullen said after the game, found a way to win. Yeah, it was a really, really important win uh, for the squad. And they, you know, prepped really well throughout the week. Um, and look, we've been talking about how the league is just so much tougher now and every game and every opportunity that you create on the pitch you've got to take and we fell short of that the last few weeks um, but it was great to see, you know, there was a one last opportunity at the end there and um, took the right option to go for points and great to see Lange Tuima, you know, nudge that over um, and as Gerard said, you know, sometimes you've just got to find a way and you've got to grind it out, and, and that's exactly what I do. And again, it's it's a great it's a great game and a great position to to move forward with. To be like, right, we've been in the fight like that. We've been really tight. We've come on the wrong side of it, but we also can come on the right side of it as well. So, yeah, really, really good win and an important win um, for the for the top four. Yeah, absolutely. So that that top four, as we as it stands, is Saris uh, still leading their way on fifty points. Queens back up to second of forty six, forty three. Uh, Loveborough Lightning and then Wasps on 40 so wow I, l- last year I was looking forward to those semis this year I, oh, you just can't call it anyway on to this weekend's fixtures as ever we would like to get a little predictions from your birth extra DMP extra Good. Uh, Wasps Saracens. What a game that is. Yeah, that's going to be um, a pretty exciting game. And I think also, you know, when you lose a tight game the week before, um, leading into the next one, you learn and you progress for that week to, to tighten up those small little margins. So, and I think this game will be about that. It'll be about small margins, the small where you're playing in the areas of the field, playing in the right parts. Um, Oh, it's a tough one. Um, I think Saracens are getting back to fully loaded um, and they've been performing in the last couple of weeks after they had a bit of a, a run against Exeter. Um, so I'm going to say Saracens for this one. Ooh. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think they just... And it's, it's, for me, it's also a mental thing. I've seen those games the last couple of seasons. I just, It's just a mental edge. But look... Was uh, a very very good side. We we will see. Love for Lightning against Worcester. I don't think you, even though we saw an improvement from Worcester. What was it two weeks ago in the playing against Exeter? Yeah. Tight game, ten seventeen, I believe. Um, I think Love for Lightning just have so much firepower. I haven't experienced it two weeks ago. 
Um, and I think, you know, I think Worcester are a little bit like it with that in terms of, you know, the size and, and the strength of, of the packs. And Loughborough Lightning's pack is so mobile. It's almost like they've got, you know, eight back rowers on the pitch. So, yeah, I think Loughborough Lightning will take that one. Yeah, they see Laura Keats, aren't they? Her, her leadership and uh, her physicality. How about Gloucester Hartbury against Bristol? West Country Derby. Hmm. I... I'm going to say... Oh, this is a tough one. I don't know. See, they're both, they're both quality sides, but they're both very hit and miss. I'm going Gloucester. Okay, Sorry. well, I'll go Bristol then. I'm going Gloucester Hartbury. <laughs> Uh, you go Bristol. All good. Sale versus Quinns. Hello, Quinns. I'm going Sale. You going Sale? No. No. I, I think I think Harlequins will win that one, despite being without their totem pole, their talismanic leader. <laughs> no, but no, I, I agree with you. Sale are, you know, a tough side, and it won't be easy. Um, that's for certain, you know, we've, we've experienced what they're like, they're relentless in their defence and we're going to have to be absolutely spot on in order to take our opportunities. You know, you, we've got the travel to contend with as well, it's a long trip up there, it'll probably be freezing cold um, and, you know, they've got quality people, I mean, you can't look much further than the number 10 that they've got who can orchestrate and pull the strings and make things very difficult. So, I think we know it's a challenge, but, you know, on the back of the last three games that we've had, We've had a lot of lessons learned in those and hopefully, you know, we're going to see again another improvement as we did against Wasps. What about Spain-Netherlands? Well, I think, you know, aside that plays of confidence, which is exactly where Spain will be right now, speaks a lot of volumes. And for them to go and put in display they did against Russia... Um, I think just, you know, the fact that they've had a game as well just gives them that confidence to go into that game um, feeling quite comfortable and, and believing in themselves. They've got the ability to do it. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Netherlands will always turn up and, and you know, put their best foot forward in order to, to try and progress. It's, it's an exciting time, and I'm just so pleased that these games are happening and, you know, they're getting the opportunity to play. Hello, you lovely people. I'm Shauna Brown, and you're listening to Women's Rugby Pod. Finally, to finish up, a couple of shout-outs. We, we asked the people to do us a little favour, and a few have. They've delivered. Got a, a bit of feedback, some uh, reviews of the pod. This from Karen10915. This podcast is awesome and great escapism during lockdown. Brilliant for the game, and women and girls into the sport too. Thank you very much Karen for that. Another shout out from PHG Sports. Thank you very much for this one. Can't wait for each and every new episode. Johnny and Rachel bring a wonderful update on everything within women's rugby. Now to our man in, in Canada. Uh, and yeah, biggest fan 225. Uh, thank you very much for, for this little review. Johnny Burf's weekly insights into women's rugby news from the UK and around the world is brilliant. Live pod should not be missed. And Mel Robinson's interview uh, in the last episode is worth listening to on its own. If for nothing else, then hearing how she made her dad proud on her debut for the Black Ferns. Oh, isn't that nice? That's lovely. I mean, this is... I mean, I don't know why we didn't go with this at the top of the show, but... 
We are in the top 20 sports podcasts in South Africa this week. Oh, amazing. Hey. Well, no surprise really, considering to got Lynn on, got... Um, Razzy, Zige, yeah, absolutely hearing all about the uh, South African news. But even bigger than that, let's, let's top that. We're in the top 15 sports podcasts in the United Arab Emirates. That's yeah, it. Place, Honestly, we may as well go now. Our work here <laughs> is done. Our work here is done. Now, look, generally, people, uh, thank you very much for those reviews. We don't often uh, blow smoke in our own direction, but uh, it's really, really nice to to get comments like that because you know, Berth and I do this out of our own time and, and money for, for the for the love of the game. So, yeah, thank you very much for those. Really appreciate it. As ever, please continue to share the pod. Um, it is a magic year for women's rugby. We've got hugely exciting plans around the women's six nations uh, and the World Cup as well. Subscribe and rate at Pod Women's Rugby on both Twitter and Instagram. Get in touch, send comments, and let us know what you're getting up to. Let us know what you're going to be doing when coming out of lockdown. Um, yeah, just give us a shout. Indeed, so. And next week, we've started closer to home in South Africa, Australia, New Zealand the last couple of weeks. Close to home in Wales next week, Birth. Yeah, we're going to be speaking to Charlie Watham next week. So, looking forward to that one. Yeah, she is the lady behind Women's Rugby in, uh, in the Principality, uh, an incredibly driven lady. And really, we've spoken a long time about getting her on the pod, so, really excited to have her on. Just remains for us to say a huge, huge thank you to Alana Tyson for coming on. Really enjoyed chatting with her. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy your rugby at the weekend. Enjoy the live stream. Enjoy the uh, the sevens, the European Championship. And get your foot up, Berth, and get some ice on that. Until next time.